Hi, before you begin, just to be aware that some of these episodes were recorded some time ago, and there may be references in there that seem out of date. It's because they are. But don't worry, we're still live on all the social medias right now. Please reach out to us and enjoy the episode. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Hello and welcome to Wait, Where's Spock, a podcast about a father and daughter's journey through the Star Trek universe beyond the original series. My name is Matt. Oh, uh, one sec. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm Maya. And today on The Next Generation, season one, we're watching episode 10, Haven. While on a mission to a planet called Haven, Troy meets her husband-to-be, a marriage arranged by her <laughs> marriage arranged by her father years before. Ooh, sexual politics, I think. There'll be some feminism in Star Trek. We're really getting into the good part of, you know, like selling women, like that's <clears throat> some good yeah, that's good shit. Yeah, I think that's what it's gonna be. Troy will get mm. to say some things other than I'm having a feeling. No, she won't. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be having a feeling about I don't know, he just feels he, maybe he's a bad person and that's why I shouldn't marry him not because I'm being forced into this you know what I hope I hope he's like a good guy like he's like a really nice affable guy and he has no evil shit about him and so it's literally just but I don't want to marry you because yeah. if he's evil then it's about like it's the fact that he's evil you mm. know what I mean yeah then it would make it like what the challenge would be the challenge would be choice of well, would be about choice yeah. I I I want to be able to choose even though I know this person could be is really really seems really really decent. And I guess that would be perhaps counterbalance because we know that Troy and uh, Riker had a thing and yeah. it would I, I assume that's going to be a thing in this episode and it mm. would be nice to see him being a dick about it and therefore she doesn't have to choose either you know she says oh he's a dick and this person though they seem really nice it's all about choice yeah that would be good yeah. I don't think that's going to happen I'm just saying that <laughs> do you don't think <laughs> the quality of writing in 1987 is going to come I don't out? think so. I mean the, cu- the episodes we've seen so far yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think so <laughs> like I think it's gonna be like everyone's gonna be like well you can't marry her like that guy cause I wanna fuck you <laughs> and then she'll she'll be kind of annoyed about it but kind of put up with it and then yeah he'll turn out to be evil and that's why it's actually it was a secret plan or something but also I don't know if she's she knows him or something like does she know she has an arranged marriage or is it like gonna be a surprise well, that's a that's good question yeah good question as long as we can just keep the <clears throat> potty mouth down you know particularly out of my baby daughter's mouth oh sorry <laughs> you don't mean to stop swearing <laughs> no, don't care Liz. unfortunately uh, we, uh, you did this to me <laughs> it, i did do it too it does mean we can't play in india but there you go okay then let's uh, retire to the holodeck to watch episode 10 haven all right so we return to the briefing room to discuss episode 10 actually episode 11 but really it should be episode 10 haven of star trek the next generation season one did you want to kick us off Matt? um describing the episode or overall thoughts yeah so i think this was a good episode it was a lot of fun like Mm. i had a like actually genuinely really funny like we were both laughing Mm. several times Mm. like but even then the actual emotional bits were quite well done like Mm -hmm. there were a lot of good actors all the side characters who were brought on just for this episode the actors were great and did a really good job Mm. there are obviously problems like here's the thing troy had basic she didn't actually i thought this was an episode about her it's not really she doesn't really have much autonomy 
economy in this episode. She kind of is just like, oh, I don't want to get married, but I guess I'm going to get married. I'm a bit upset about it. Mm. Oh, he left. Mm-hmm. And that's the episode. Well, yeah, I um, think that pretty much sums this up. I would call this by far the best episode of season one we've seen so far. I agree. On a whole lot of levels. I think it's a really good episode of Star Trek. I think it is exactly what you said. I think it, um, not, it, it has actual genuine emotion and it achieves that through some really good writing of on this episode and it, it's super funny powered by just really good comedic performances from um, Majel Barrett, who's Majel Roddenberry, playing Roxana Troy, Deanna's mother. Uh, she's just having an absolute field day there. A terrific performance by uh, Robert Nepper. I should probably say at this point that, uh, I mean, obviously this was a long time ago, but Robert Nepper has been accused of some fairly bad things in recent years um, of, of a sexual nature. But he's absolutely bringing in this episode and Data as well, but we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, I, I think this this is the best episode we've seen so far technically and it feels it feels like a Star Trek episode it doesn't feel clunky it doesn't it kind of no. flows the stories are connected I was gonna say when the side story was brought up initially I was like do we really need this B plot that doesn't really seem to have it seems very different from the main plot of this episode and then when it got connected I was like oh this is good yeah, yeah the, the A and B stories actually work together for I think the first time ever but maybe the first time since possibly the pilot yeah really um, really really good but yes I would also agree that unfortunately for Deanna Troy and Marina Sirtis the, the actor who plays her yeah she doesn't have a lot to do but well I guess we'll get into that which is yeah I'm just gonna say like it's fine if I didn't think this was gonna be an episode about her I guess yeah weirdly it's an episode kind of about the guest star which is yes which is technically a, a fundamental writing mistake about guest stars um, mm. you know the, sh- the show should never be about the guest star the guest star there is is the B story to support it but in fact he becomes essentially the A story yeah. or, or, or certainly a big part of the A story um, and once again yes she is in that sort of typical 80s way relegated to be the love interest of two men who want her mm, yeah. but anyway shall I uh, do the story breakdown sure yep okay so uh, what we know from of course uh, Captain's Log Stardate I don't know why Sean Connery, but anyway. Yeah, I was about to be. <laughs> Captain's log, star date. The dog was Indiana. Uh, can I tell you, uh, just apropos of nothing, that uh, James McAvoy does an immaculate Patrick Stewart. Uh, okay. But anyway, so we learn from from uh, Picard's uh, star log that the Enterprise is visiting the planet known colloquially as Haven, which is rumoured to have mystical healing powers of which, uh, you know, Data and Picard discuss the nature of. We then quickly cut to what can only be described as a creepy Riker uh, in his his room watching harp porn in holographic form. Essentially two women playing harp, staring at him uh, with come hither looks and he's looking like a dude who's about to drop his pants. Um, Yeah, super creepy guy. But like setting the scene, like it just cut from the bridge to these two women who were, and it didn't, it wasn't clear they were holograms, but they were clearly on a green screen. It was like weird. And they were just staring directly into the camera playing harp for like a good little while. And I was like, what's happening? And then just fucking jump cut 
shot to Riker staring right down the camera, like smirking, feet up on the table. Ugh. It was like immediately disgusting. Mm. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, you know, he was creepy in that sort of Riker way who can occasionally be pretty creepy. But also, what did it bring? Like, that was, what was that scene? That's a fair point. I wonder if it's a Gene Roddenberry scene. He says, yeah, have him, have him watch a couple of sexy ladies playing the harps. But they weren't even, they were like fully dressed. There wasn't even like. I mean, he could have just been performing duties somewhere and someone said, you know, hey, there's something coming down. Also, weirdly, he would appear to be on a break as, you know, people mm. go on breaks in this and because he's watching this thing. And he's the one who's called to, uh, as we're about to see, the transporter room. Why isn't that someone else? But yes, no, I agree. It was a strange bit of writing, which I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to know more. I, di- I didn't do any research into the writers of the show. It'd be interesting to know who who was writing this. What we know is that Roddenberry still had oversight, but it was fading pretty quickly because his health was fading. And I wonder if this might be a bit of a hangover from him. This feels like him. This feels old, that, that scene. I mean, you know, the episode is very 80s, but this particular moment is just weird and unnecessary. Um, but anyway, his harp porn watching is interrupted by um, a message from the uh, transporter chief about an incoming object. This is, this is another sort of... I think this is a kind of scene, you know, that's meant to be like, look, we're in the future. So, you know, he comes to the transporter room and there's this box that appears that has this human face on it, like a mask. And then suddenly Deanna Troy is there for no apparent reason. She hasn't been notified to come. She just turns up in the transporter room, at which point the face begins to speak. And it's clearly, you know, a, a man's face with silver paint on it, you know, maybe latex, to announce the arrival of uh, people called the Millers and also of Deanna Troy's mother, Roxana, for, as it turns out, the arranged marriage between the Miller's son and Deanna Troy uh, and the box yeah. excuse for some um, some jewels of course because you know you've got to give them jewels to press the ladies dowry yes that's right and then and then uh, unfortunately Marina Sirtis has to then you know, camera you know 80s zoom so slow zoom in as for three five seconds as Deanna Troy says my wedding yeah and also before this like you know my initial predictions were one of my questions was does she know or not and this was kind of like a middle ground hmm. that I wasn't expecting of she had some idea that this was a potential but she's like shocked that it is actually happening and was much more upset than I expected I kind of thought it would be like a oh yes this is my destiny I must accept it but she was like she said no a bunch of times just to nothing she was like no no mm. no uh, yeah she certainly did and yeah I mean she what we learn pretty quickly from her is that yes she's getting married and that this was something that she'd been essentially kind of hiding from mentally and some Sometimes physically by taking this job on the ship. Um, she's briefing Picard and Riker. Riker's looking very distressed, of course. He's very upset. And uh, it's it's this Betazoid tradition of arranged marriage. And, and this was arranged between her father, who is dead, or I think he's dead. I don't think they divorced. And this the Millers, who were friends of theirs. And that, yes, Diana has been sort of hiding for it. But of course, she'll honor it because that's the Betazoid tradition of honoring arranged marriage. Has um, I think this is the moment where Riker does an amazing lean yes. on the wall. With his forearm. The most dramatic. Overwhelmed. <laughs> He's overwhelmed by the emotion yeah. of the moment. It's so good. It's so good. What we learn is that Roxana has doubts about this. Oh, I should say, actually, sorry. I, I, I've actually jumped uh, completely away from the fact that uh, shortly uh, the, the, the Millers arrive. They seem very nice. They're humans. They're very friendly and they meet Dana and they say, oh, isn't she beautiful? Everything's about her being beautiful, of course. How pretty she is and beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And of course, Wyatt is with Well, no. Her. I mean, I'm just saying she does talk 
to Picard and Riker before the parents arrive. Yes. Just before. Yeah, she does talk to him before and then the Millers yeah, but, show up. But before that, they have a conversation about what, like, her and Riker. Because Picard, I was actually, I did in my head do a little, how's Picard going to react to this situation? I thought he'd be very like, well, that's her situation and a shame for her, but I hope she doesn't leave the ship. That's about it. And that's pretty much what his reaction was, was like, you know, is your husband going to be joining us on the ship? No? Yeah. Well, that's very sad. Good luck. Yeah, I know. I think that's good. That's good character, you know, characterization and makes a lot of sense. That's right. I mean, members of your your staff come and go and, you know, he says, oh, well, good luck, all yeah. the best. Anyway, yeah, so you're quite right. So back in the transporter no, but her, room. Her, but her conversation with Riker was the important part here. What was the conversation? So then, so, with- so they, so, so then Picard leaves the room and then Riker, basically, she goes, I know that you want to be a starship captain. And he says, but that's not all I want. And she goes, I know, I can feel that. But basically, you have to accept it. And then, you know, she says, it would very nice line of you know come dance at my wedding and he says i'll try oh that's right you're absolutely right actually sorry i didn't um i always overwrite these episodes so i decided probably in the wrong episode to underwrite this one but yeah that was actually a great scene it was very mature it was surprisingly adult and this slight whiff of melancholy about it but she was being incredibly mature. and he was being pretty mature for the biggest baby i've ever fucking seen who sulks about all the time he's a big baby he kind of he kind of did he you know, well. he's a, I mean, you know, yeah. they're like, I'll try, like, you know, I'll try to be good about it, but I'm pretty yeah. upset. And that's about it. Yeah. yeah. It was a nice scene. And this was probably the first scene that echoes something you mentioned before about the show being surprisingly uh, emotional as well as being funny. I think it was moments like these that continue to build throughout the episode, as we'll discuss, that give the show a surprising amount of emotional mm. gravitas. Just little moments that ring very, very true, but also that really well played and, and, and well written. Yes. But of course, it's as always. Deanna responding to someone else's thing. Yeah. But anyway, yes, so after that really good scene, thanks for the reminder. Miller's arrive. It's all very nice. There's some issue going on as we discover it's an issue with them and Roxana, Deanna's um, mother. So they move on uh, and then Roxana beams up and we discover, as I've probably alluded to earlier, that it's um, uh, Marjorie Barrett, who is, of course, Marjorie Roddenberry now. She's married Jean Roddenberry uh, after or the original Star Trek series or during it and they stayed married till uh, his death and she plays Roxana. Mm. And she was Nurse Chapel in the original series, if you don't know. And she was number one in the pilot. She was indeed. So she was an actor in her own right. Yeah, and she's, obviously, you know. I don't know if I've brought it up on this podcast yet. Nurse Chapel is one of my favorite characters in the original series. There's something about her that I just, like, I think, because all the women, especially like back then, they had to be very like, oh, I'm nice. And then I'm concerned. But she was always like, no, shut up. Do what I tell you. I'm the nurse. Be mm. quiet. And I really enjoyed that about mm. her. And she has a great personality. And it's a lot of the actor bringing it to her because she was great in this episode she brought a lot of that yeah yeah we'll talk about her but she's amazing this the late uh, Major Barrett she uh, uh, passed away about um, 15 years ago or so but yeah she she absolutely just smashes this episode out of the park uh, and, and it's interesting you talk about you know because Chapel didn't do a whole lot in, in Star Trek no and I don't ha- it's interesting you have those feelings about her and I, it makes me want to sort of go back and have a look at those things but certainly where she really stood out my strongest memory of her is actually is the the, the uh, untelevised pilot where she does play number one um, who has now been taken over by uh, Rebecca I don't want to say uh, Rebecca Roman in the the um, Strange New Worlds and a good choice I think to sort of take over that role pretty strong but yeah she's bringing it she beams on we're reminded that Betazoids are telepaths and so 
she wants to speak telepathically to her child and her child uh, Deanna saying don't be rude you know essentially don't be rude there are humans around this is really interesting ethnically I think because this is um, a big issue for this is a kind of courtesy issue for particularly in English you know in English language first language countries so uh, it is considered bad form to speak your first language so uh, we like I just think back to my own childhood where uh, my mother would often speak uh, Spanish to me as a child but later I would stop that because you know she would do it in front of my friends when we got older and and I just said that's rude and of course English language speakers hate it because they just assume you're talking about them you know all the time Um, and so this is a bit of that I quite related to that moment and she's yeah she's just bringing it and apparently she really likes Wyatt she's super interested she's read his thoughts or something and she finds him really interesting yeah I mean one thing that we have kind of glazed over we were talking about her a bunch is that Wyatt is did they meet you know like Deanna and Wyatt get to meet just before theirs like when the parents come down and literally because the the three of them be men like his parents and him him, and he stands behind them for a bit and I remember the shot and I thought who is that dweeb <laughs> yeah. standing behind them Not e- didn't even for a second think that that could be the guy I was like who is this like 14 year old nerd behind them and then he stepped forward and was like oh this is your husband I was like oh shit that's the guy mm. Yeah, yeah, he comes, uh, so yes, exactly as you described, perfectly described, he steps forward, uh, and it's Wyatt, and he's, he's this, basically this just sort of nerdy little guy who's very, very sweet. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a mix between nerdy and, like, classically princey, mm. there was some, like, he's definitely dressed up kind of like a traditional fairy tale prince, kind mm. of, um, and he gives that vibe, but yeah, very, I think his confidence is so low, and he kind of is always holding, hunched over and holding his hands together, that he doesn't, he seems like a dweeb. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he's just very pleasant. And I think what struck me about this scene is that, I mean, obviously it was him in the background, but what struck me about this scene, it related to what we were discussing in the introduction, that um, how was this guy going to be played? And obviously he's played really nice. Now, I've probably seen this episode before, not many. There was, I vaguely remember, you know, because Roxana beams on with her valet, I vaguely remember him played by a sort of classically sort of tall, character actor he played actually Lurch in the new in the Adams Family film yeah he looked really familiar and also I will say I kind of glazed over the whole mention of Deanna's father not being alive or whatever anymore so there was part of me that was like is that her dad for a long time until they like I was like he's probably like a valet but is that her dad I was a bit confused until they actually said it Anyway, yes, you know, and, and not, you know, Deanna also, uh, sorry, I should say Roxana also uh, introduces us to her, um, you know, a bit of racism. She doesn't, you know, she feels that she's better than everyone and that uh, humans are a bit, you know, beneath them um, because of their simple things. Yeah, but it seems, at least the way that kind of she plays it is less about humans are so beneath her and that more like everyone is so beneath her like she's just kind of better than everyone mm, yeah, she does she maybe. does say a lot of shit about yeah, yeah. i mean yeah i mean maybe she does specifically mention humans um i mean it's not yes. i mean you know you know i mean it's no big deal humans have been racist towards everyone else um all the time the fact that someone who you know in a lot of ways is is more developed uh, emotionally maybe although you know she is of course very human <laughs> She's a character who reminds us of, of a lot of, initially, of a lot of um, people. But, you know, we learn more things later on. Anyway, we discover that she has doubts. She does confess immediately that she has doubts. 
But she's, yeah, I thought that was yeah, nice. Yeah, she's talking, you know, and, and because there's this thing about honesty. Excuse me, there's this thing about honesty amongst Betazoids that they are immensely human and, and, and sorry, immensely honest, and that humans should be more honest. And nothing to argue about that. I mean, that seems fair enough, really. And and then we get a nice little bit of comedy where Picard has to carry the bag, you know, down, which he can't do because it's enormously heavy because it's got all her stuff in it. Yeah. You know, and he and and Patrick Stewart gets to. I think it's probably his first bit of comedy in the whole show. He gets to do some kind of physical comedy which is quite cute. He was, it was it was genuinely really yeah, funny. Yeah, it's a great Because he was incredibly annoyed by the whole situation and then she keeps making comments about him and then he just kind of wants to get the fuck out yeah, of he's, there. he's playing it. He, he's being as super polite as he can and you can see the strain on his voice and, and I'd imagine that Patrick Stewart is just loving the hell out of doing this after, you know, yeah. 10 episodes of kind of just being very stoic about things. But, you know, when you get to do something as an actor, you know, against type or, or something you haven't been able to do, I mean, I think it's always a joy to think, oh, great, I'm going to love doing this bit of stuff. You know, for some actors. Anyway, from a plot point of view, the next event is that uh, that Picard is informed that there is a ship approaching the planet of Haven that isn't opening communication because they're contacted by the, I don't know, I mean, interestingly different German actor playing <laughs> another glamorous woman communicating. But she's the boss. That's something good. She's a woman. She's obviously in charge. But for no apparent reason, yeah. she's German. So I guess maybe she was a German actor trying to get gigs in Hollywood at the time. Well, I mean, they needed someone with an accent right because they've decided that that's like because they mentioned that Deanna's accent is specifically a Betazoid accent Mm. um, in this episode Okay. so they I guess she she's a Betazoid so they were like she needs to have an accent yeah I wonder whether uh, Jean was in the casting sessions but anyway sure but yeah she did need an accent (laughs) so she's German anyway and she uh, she's uh, she reminds Picard that a ship uh, that doesn't communicate with the planet is a threat and that the Federation are uh, bound to protect the planet from threats, which Picard acknowledges. So they have to keep an eye on the ship that um, that is approaching the planet. And that is that scene. So they have a pretty yeah. quick from a plot point of view. And at, at this point, it was very like, this plot seemed to have nothing to do with the other plot. And I was like, I don't need yeah, this. This, this. This was yeah. the sea story of the um, of the piece. Well, in fact, at the time, we probably thought it was the B story, but it actually yeah. things change as we go along. Anyway, Dana then comes to visit Wyatt in his quarters. Uh, and they have a- while he's like in the dark like holding himself curled up on a bed is he is that how the scene really starts funny. is it yeah he's yeah he's like he's like hugging himself really tightly mm. and it was well weird. we should say too one thing we didn't mention about Wyatt is that uh, Deanna senses that he is very surprised by something about her yes. and, and you know this is obviously a nice big lantern they hang a big lantern on this where so you know so perhaps it's related to that you know Wyatt is confused or, or something about yeah. what's going on but Deanna comes to visit him and, and this becomes and you know in the beginning a really mature scene of two people who are committed to the expectations of their parents or their culture getting to know one another and there's so much maturity in all these scenes like emotional maturity going yeah. on where these two people come to see each other with the best intentions yeah. and I think that's what makes you love this episode well, I say you in the you know makes me love this episode that bring you know you have two really adult people talking about adult love. The best, dramatically, I find personally, the most affecting kind of love displayed on cinema is adult love. Um, I find it, the, always have found it the most affecting, as opposed to, you know, adolescent love or things like that. I find when emotion is handled with restraint, it's far more powerful. And mm. whilst this isn't that, they're, they're trying to find a way to really respect each other and bend the bond. It's really, really, really good. We learn that one. Is a doctor. Yeah. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, we know that Troy's a counselor and that, you know, but maybe they can, maybe they, it's something that they can share and, and, and maybe they can team up and have a spin-off series and, you know, help people medically. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Mm. You know, they, they, yeah, they spend time to actually mm. talk to each other and they're both really nice mm. about it. You know, they decide to be very polite to each other and actually try to learn about each other. They have some nice laughs, you know, and she says, we're going to be spending a lot of time mm. together. And he goes, I suppose that's the point of marriage yeah you know. i mean mm, <laughs> i mean yes i mean not necessarily as we know but um. sure but like you know they're both clearly he is not as convinced no like because i kind of went into this um episode thinking if he is one of the nice guy types he'll be like super into her he'll be like you're the most beautiful woman i've ever seen we're meant to be together and she'll be like i don't know but not at all they were kind of both like well yeah, that's right. It, it, you know, they were handling it like adults. And of course, the the major thing uh, that occurs uh, in this episode, is, you know, which is another kind of, you know, Latin, is that what we've noticed uh, is that there's these uh, drawings uh, and paintings. And we learn that because we assume and, and, and she assumes. In fact, I did assume initially that he was some sort of artist because he's very flaky, you know, and, and he talks about he honestly, oh, actually, I don't remember whether she because, you know, she's a beta's whether she knows that I think he confesses it doesn't he he does because he knows she's going to know well yeah she mentions the drawings and I can't remember if he initially says Mm. like this is a woman I've seen and he thought it was her because you know Betazoids yeah. can project feelings, and and so he assumed all this time it was her. Hence, of course, back to that scene where they first meet, uh, her sensing his surprise in this episode. And the surprise was that the you know these drawings are super eighties. They're super eighties of a drawing of a blonde, a kind you know typical sort of ethereal or sporty, typical kind of eighties blonde. You know, in the in the vein of of that was of that era. So big blonde hair, you know that sort of look and. And it, then he then spends the rest of that scene clutching them desperately to his chest, which, you know, <laughs> probably not the message you want to send to your soon to, to, to be betrothed. I mean, he's pretty honest he about is. it. Yeah. Like, you know, that he's like, I, yeah, I was surprised. I assumed it would be you that that that's what this was all going to mm. be about. It's mm. not. Um, and and she apologizes and he goes, don't like, don't apologize. The, like, yeah. this was a childish thing. Mm. That's it, I've got to move on. Yeah, which is weird given that, so, because of course, what he explains is that he's been dreaming of this woman, he's been getting these images, and it's all pretty kind of like, you know, it's not a a small thing, it's been a sort of part of his life, so he's been drawing this woman, and I, at at this point, went straight back to the scene where, uh, with the communication from the woman, the German woman from Haven, because she is a blonde German woman, and, you know, the drawings are kind of vague enough that, and I wonder whether the writers meant this, this is now the connection and I'm, and I do remember at the time thinking oh nice we, we're finally we're getting some really solid TV writing where we're making connections between you know the A plot and the B plot and mm. and that's it and, and that's where it goes and, um, anything else to add to this moment? No. Okay, well, we go from this point back to uh, the the bridge where we hear Picard suddenly expressing his concerns about Deanna's arranged marriage for some reason. He decides in his star log, he says, oh, I'm very concerned about this. Oh, he calls it. Yeah. He, he, um, he, of course, says that he finds it a, a kind of, what are the words he used? Ba- basically, a, a, he finds the whole process of arranged marriage um, distasteful given that they're in the 24th century and that it doesn't mm. work. He says they, yes, he, they, that's what he 
says specifically, we have we know that they don't work. Yeah, we know they don't work, which, of course, we know that's not true. We know that's not true then, let alone now, because we know that marriages, you know, most of them, well, at least half of them fail because it doesn't work. Whereas what, you know, what I don't know, but I'm going to take a stab for reasons I'll explain in a moment, is that most arranged marriages, in quotation marks, work in the sense that they stay together. Now, what we, of course, probably can assume from that is cultures with arranged marriages don't favour divorce. <laughs> So those arranged marriages stay together. But it is it is still a part of certain cultures. We know some of them are pretty horrific, of course, like deeply horrific. But I know, I, I tell, I know, I mean, no. I uh, was friends with a guy whose parents were in an arranged marriage and I have a vague memory of talking about them and nothing. They seem pleasant enough. I mean, I don't know the deep thoughts of either of those people. But then, you know, I mean, in a way, speaking personally, my own parents had an arranged marriage of sorts. And that didn't go so well. Um, But it was a very poorly arranged marriage. But anyway, we get to see that. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, if we're going to make a comment on this, like, regard, like, yes, arranged marriages can sometimes work out or just be, you know, fine. Because some people just get married because they think they should get married. Mm. And then they're just like, this is just, it's fine. Mm. You know, that doesn't mean they're good, though. They they could be fine or happy in a marriage of their choosing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. I mean, look, it's just, of course, that, you know, the writers are speaking, you know, they're using the characters to speak for the themes and then suddenly weirdly and like I said inconsistently that Riker who has expressed no real concerns and he seemed really Picard sorry my apologies Picard because <laughs> Riker's expressed a lot yeah, of concern yeah, Picard who's expressed no issues at all about this situation suddenly in one line spoilers to never appear again um, that he's you know, concerned about this ancient you know ritual which doesn't work out anyway that's not the point point of this episode is that the uh, this ship that's approaching at sublight speed so it's taking a long time to get there so the episode can play out is a, a ship of Torellian origin and that its appearance means death uh, which we quickly learn as as we adjourn to the briefing room which is the opportunity for all the actors to get to say their bit of um their bit of exposition that Torellia or Torella I don't remember which was this planet where there were these two this is a typical Star Trek thing these two civilizations at war that essentially killed themselves through maybe biological warfare which came into sort of full-blown infection and that the Torellians left the planet in ships to try and escape and that these ships have infected and killed other populations around the galaxy and that's why they bring death does that does that yeah. sound about right? I was yep I, I was much more interested in this than I thought like because initially it was like oh yeah the oh they're the bad ship and they're gonna kill everyone mm. or whatever and then it was like oh like an infection mm. that, that they, like could just spread you know like not necessarily this is hostile intentions Um, was you know interesting mm. yeah yeah it, yeah it definitely um, um, yeah it was like they you know they're presented with a situation and they talk I mean this sorry but from a from a kind of filmmaking television making point of view it's just I mean these actors I, I mean it's hard there's a big cast and they just have to get fed lines because they have to justify turning up and and basically they all have a very very specific reason for understanding a very specific piece of information information that they're delivering about the Torellians, uh, which is just spectacular. But, um, you know, the, they're sitting in the briefing room. They all get an opportunity to say words. That's good. Which leads us to 
you know, some of the great... I mean, this is really interesting because we're, we're finally getting... It's the other thing too, I think, that I, which I hadn't sort of been sort of cognizant of until literally it popped into my mind then. This is an episode which brings conflict, like real genuine conflict. Like there's arguments going on and people are unhappy, which is not 24th century because we can all agree to get on. And how this manifests itself in the pre-wedding party uh, that occurs in this room where essentially... Oh, wait. Go on. Before that, in the meeting room, Picard, you know, he, he does exposition and he's like, all right, let's go off and have a think about it. But before that, Deanna's having her wedding and Riker does a full fucking whole neck roll from one side of his face to the other of like side eye. He was pissed. And then fully turned his body the other way, like whipped around and stormed out. Like it was just very, very Yeah, funny. I think I, I was busy writing things down because I, uh, I yeah. um, because I was busy writing things down and you just burst out laughing with his little tizzy fit. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's, uh, I wonder how um, him, oh my God, please come on. What's his goddamn name? Can, come on. Do you want me to just Google it? Yeah, I'll you? just Google it now and you know, I'm going to remember. I can Google oh. it and give you hints. Yeah, Google and give me hints. Give me, give me his initials. Do that. Here we go. We'll play a game. Game. We'll play a game live on the podcast. Um, if I give you his initials, you're going to probably get okay, it. Okay, right? well then give me... Um, well, I don't know. Well, well, what do you think? I'll give you his first initial. All right, what's his first initial? Okay, J. Uh, no, no, hang on, hang on. Give me a second. J, J, J. Riker played by... What's his last initial? F. You... Oh, Jonathan Frakes. Yep. Yep. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Jonathan Frakes. Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. It's outrageous that I can't remember his name. Yeah, so anyway. I you put a little sticky note on your computer. Yeah, Frakes. I'll just name. have this thing. Frakes. It says over there. Uh, anyway, yes. So, um, yes, you're quite right. He, I missed it. I enjoyed your laughter, though. But anyway, yes. So we have a party which immediately descends into an argument about how the wedding ceremony is going to be performed between the Millers and Roxana. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, they, they argue about the, the wedding ceremony. Uh, yeah, yes. that's right. Which, um, uh, and it's really, they're really going for it. Yeah, and I mean, Roxana's just being funny. As oh, heck. she's being brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the parents are yeah. just kind of having to respond to her, you know, yes, eating, eating the scenes up. You know, Jean's, um, I, I guess Majel must have said, come on, Jean, write me in the show. Give me, give me a role. Or maybe they were all keen to have her involved. I don't know. But she's absolutely earning her dollars. No questions about mm. that. Um, and then Picard. And in the... On. Well, I was going to talk about in the background, mm-hmm. Hom, Hom, who is the uh, the valet, mm-hmm. her valet. You know, it, it's the scene starts and he takes a sip of a drink mm. and he makes his face like, oh, that's good. Mm. And then in the background, as Data's staring at him intently, he's just drinking and drinking and drinking. Oh, no, wait, no, this is the scene before that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's well, right. Well, he does, he does take this, he does drink in this one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He does, so he does have a sip. sip. Yeah, okay. he does have a sip. But, but yes, that does happen uh, later on. Anyway, Picard just automatically diffuses it by saying, on board a ship, on board a ship. Now I'm being in, 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 what's his name? In McKellen. Fire, with a, fire, you fools. Anyway, he diffuses it by saying, we can't argue on a, this is the war room. We can't argue on the Enterprise. And everyone just <laughs> smiles and stops arguing for some reason. Yes, he says, I, I have decided this argument is resolved. Yes, I have it. decided that it is, it is resolved indeed. What happens though is that Wyatt learns uh, about uh no 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 there's the the dinner right i think you're right i think the dinner happens so yeah so they have they're in a little meet they're having a little gathering yeah, and that becomes a dinner the that's why dinner. we're confused yes because it automatically no, rolls the to, into the dinner it does where they're yes, all sitting down and 
Yeah. And this is the point where I'm very, you know, so everyone's seated down and Wyatt asks the captain about the, he's heard apparently rumors about the Torellians. That's kind of, I sort of didn't mind that in the sense that there's a feeling that there's a world going on on the Enterprise that he'd heard a rumor through, yeah. you know, team, you know, some of the some of the crew that the Torellians had arrived and that they're infectious. And of course, Wyatt's a medical doctor, so he's super interested in mm. their situation because he studied um, infectious diseases and that allows him and Crusher to have a little bonding session about, you know, they're doctors and they can have a teen-up and maybe they can have a spin-off series <laughs> where doctors on Star Trek. And um, and yes, while, and so while this is going on, this is a scene that's happening. Um, while this is going on, the valet Rom or whatever his Hom. name is. What's his name? Hom. Hom. That's right, Hom. That's right. H-O-N-M. Yeah, and it made me think of, um, it made me think of the Syrian um, city of Homs. That's right. I remember that. But, and this is the point where he starts this absolutely scarfing, you know, I assume it's lime drink or or water with colored water while Data is just kind of staring at him. And this is, I mean, this, this, this scene, the comedy just keeps going in this scene everyone's yeah. bringing it i mean can i tell you date is absolutely bringing it with the funniest line ever that he's ever given in this show and i think possibly the funniest line no not possibly for me the funniest line in the whole show but we anyway so we, we're learning Which was you're not gonna say it oh am i gonna say the line yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say the line. Um, when we get to it. Uh, yeah, that's so. right. But um, the, because the arguments keep going. I mean, there's this the argument about the ceremony. Um, what the, You know, um, the argument, you know, Roxana's teasing Mrs. Miller with her pet plant. It's all on fire. Um, anyway, it yeah. all kind of, you know, Picard, um, I can't remember what the cue is, but Picard. Um, oh, no, that's right. The cue, the cue is that all, all this argument's going on and Holmes is, is gonging in the background is he's getting more and more drunk uh, and like it's like he hits the gong once and people are kind of like okay and it's just like this steady kind of every so often he'll do it mm. and it's not really acknowledged mm. but it's just happening and it was fucking really funny yeah, yeah. like we right. were laughing like it was because the way it interrupts the conversations was so good mm. and just the kind of it happened like five times and they're like okay is it is he gonna keep doing that mm. And uh, apparently it was the way to, uh, Betazoid way to give thanks for the meal. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. He'd, um, yeah, I mean, the tension from the gong that keeps building up uh, and as the parents become, it's really well done. This is another piece, this is another piece of, of, of skill in this episode that, you know, the writing is solid, the performances are on, on point and, and the direction is, is, is really good. You know, the, the, the editing, you know, they're cutting back and forth and the tension is building and building and building and then Diana just loses her shit um, and has a great moment where, <laughs> She um she she storms out of the room and I think he's about to gong and she just swipes the gong off the table <laughs> which so fucking and leaves slams it onto the yeah, ground gong, and makes this huge gong as she leaves the room and it is really good and and then it's funny um at, at which point Data who's been hovering like a buzzard according to Picard sort of just goes you know says oh no please continue the bickering I've it's so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he's so excited about these just seeing humans because he's never seen it you know the, no one argues on this yeah. goddamn ship because there's no drama <laughs> and finally he's seeing humans like arguing of humans people arguing on 
surprising he hasn't seen people argue before but apparently he hasn't and he's you the joy in brett spiner's yeah. face he's just bringing it as data this is uh, this is where i think i mean data can be good on whole lots of level but this is my favorite data i think the data who's like you know mm. just like yeah and he's really into everything and he's just yeah he's just nailing every moment i mean i'm spiner probably might have wanted more to do but god at least he gets to just be damn funny he was genuinely, and like, you know, it's been a few episodes since I've brought out my data hate because mm. he hasn't really said a lot of mm. dumb, annoying shit, mm-hmm. but he was genuinely funny. Everyone was genuinely really funny. Yeah. He had a comment when Hom was drinking a bunch of drinks and then he said like, do you have some human descent in you with the way you're drinking? Yes, that's right. And Hom gets like really offended and does this weird thing where he like lifts his head yes. up really high i guess to dismiss data yeah, he's supposed but to be... data doesn't understand it so data kind of just <laughs> lifts his head up really high <laughs> he... and looks to where yeah, Hom's cause, looking because hom does a he because he's not because he can't speak or, or doesn't speak we um he lo- he gives a sort of disgusted uh, he, the actor kind of really just oversells this kind of disgusted turn and raise of the head and then data's confused and he kind of turns his head and looks up at the ceiling to see what's up there <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. which is great. It was really funny. Spiner, oh, Spiner's nailing it, yeah. Whether you know whether they plan that or not, but he, he totally brings it. But it's a great scene, another great scene. Yeah. Really, you know, yeah. everything works. You know, the humour is based on the reality of the story that's occurring in front of us. Uh, Roxana got a couple good lines oh, yeah. of like, she, she, with the, 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 the other woman is, you know, saying like, you didn't, oh, well, the other thing in this in this scene is that Data says, can you actually explain what the Betazoid wedding is? Oh, yes, if, because right. she keeps saying, she keeps saying like, you know, no, I want a Betazoid wedding and the other p- parents want a, a human mm-hmm. wedding. And she goes, yes, okay. So basically, you know, we all take our clothing off yes. and then and everyone's like, wait, <laughs> stop there. <laughs> so good. And get very offended, and she, and she says to, because the other woman is incredibly offended by this, and she goes, "Oh, you needn't be bothered. Your body isn't that bad yet." <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and then your husband wants to see me naked. He has for some time. Yeah. Don't you know that? Yeah, yeah, that's so yeah, good. it's great. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "What?" And you know, what? the other woman says, "Like, you didn't even used to do these things." And she goes, "Well, I do now." Because I'm, I, unlike some people, I'm still in growth. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's um, and, you know, and it's great because of course it plays on. We know these, you know. It's not about her being a Betazoid. We know this this person. You know, this yeah. is the person who just pushes their way through life, proclaiming that this is just how it is. And and you know, and for some people, they're amazing and hilarious, and and really they really warm to them. And some people just think, oh my god, she's so rude. Uh, and you know, I think for you and I, I think very you know bizarrely well-timed um given events in our own life Mm. um when we think about people we know like this who just bundle through life and don't care what people say Mm. about them but it it, it's a great scene it is then followed up by this is another scene where people just appear for no reason but it's a really nicely lit scene i was really thinking ah this is really nicely lit and it's um (laughs) it's It says Riker on the holodeck on a... I don't think they say where it is, but it's like another typical desert world with lots of styrofoam desert rocks in the kind of moonlight, I guess. Yeah. And he's sitting there looking very contemplative. And then, of course... Di- he's on a, rock on a rock with his knee up, with his arm on his knee. like That's oh. right. And he's just sort of... He's obviously trying to process emotions. And then, of course, Deanna Troy just bursts in. I mean, I assume you could lock the holodeck. You know, like... 
Yeah. Anyway, she just comes in and um, they they kind of nutted out a little bit. They, the, I think this is the second time the word Imzadi is is mentioned, but it hasn't been mentioned for a while. I think it comes up in the very first episode. And, and yes. I, I, I know this because in my attempt to try and read some Star Trek novels, um, because I thought, you know, I should read Star Trek novels. Because as a kid, I did read some really good um, original series, uh, short stories and novels. And they were really quite good. They were, you know, because there was nothing else. So they just wrote the other adventures of Kirk and, and Spock and McCoy. And, and I, I remember really liking them. I mean, I was a kid, but anyway, in this book, so there is a book called Imzadi, which is often held up as the best Star Trek book ever written. And um, I believe the author is actually quite well known. He says, as I, um, uh, as I Imzadi, there it is, oh, by Peter David. Yeah, so Peter David's pretty well known. He's done a lot of, um, he's a well-known kind of um, science fiction author, but the the book Im- Imzadi is, is regarded as the best of all the um, Star Trek novels. But anyway, so... And, but, and that word means what? My beloved. My beloved, yeah. And and I'm assuming... Yeah. I've never read the book. I've always sort of had it there, sort of, I, I should read this, but it, and it's about them. Um, and they've... Because we know they have a history. They were... They had a relationship of some sort in some circumstance. I don't think they were on the same ship. I think he was posted a planet or something but Riker confesses that he's you know I mean Dana Troy gets to show again how you know how genuinely mature I guess her and Betazoid emotions are in terms of you know relationships and how we deal with things and how we openly communicate about things and that how humans always tie the physical with the emotional you know it's all about the physical love and the emotional love and Riker says yeah damn right I'm just a I'm just a, a barbarian I think he says and I just want me my woman I want me my woman can't I can't stand that you're going off to have some other man? But he's you know he's not he's not rude about it. He's not overly aggressive no. about it. I mean she barged in on him having emotions. I mean you know and yeah he he says he explains that basically like he he can't feel that way. Like her, she, her thing is that that they can still be in love even if she's in another relationship right. and like that doesn't change her loving him basically. Yeah yeah yeah. But for him, it's like, it, you know, he explains pretty much it's too painful. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. that he would rather try to distance them. Yeah, absolutely. Than, yeah, yeah, she's she's like, come on, you know, this is, we can still, we can still love one another. Well, she doesn't really, I will say she doesn't really say like, hey, you should be doing what I'm doing. She just goes, oh, I forgot that that's how humans work. Mm. She doesn't really try to convince him. Mm. She just goes, that's, I'm not going to stop feeling for you. Mm. That was kind of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know, another great scene. Um, she, you know, this is... Mm, is this her best scene? I mean, we've talked a lot. This is probably a point now where we should probably talk about, again, Marina Citrus and the character of Deanna Troy not essentially not having much say in anything, and we'll talk about it a bit more. Nah, but this is yeah. sort of a, you know, I guess a moment where she gets to kind of be in control, even though it's probably Riker's moment, I guess. But Yeah, because she's, she's like a thoroughfare for other people's emotions. She is. She, yeah. she conveys other people's emotions to the 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 you know the watchers mm. and the crew so she really gets to have her own opinions and feelings aside from just like oh i really empathize with this person yeah i think that's that's a really good call in terms of her character in terms of the nature of her character is to be a conduit for other people's emotions in 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 consciously or otherwise it translates into the character just being written in incredibly passive ways which you know i yeah. guess you know we've got another what six series seasons to go 
Yes, I hope that it improves. Yeah. And I hope she gets moments, and I'm pretty sure she will. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, in, so. in, in six seasons, you think, you know, and, and six long yeah. commercial seasons, not 12 episode seasons, but 24 episodes. Anyway, so again, at this point, someone just turns up at the holodeck. It's young, yeah. it's young Wyatt. Young Wyatt turns up to interrupt everything and um, is just like super decent and understanding, as, as Deanna Troy explains it. Oh, this is the man I was explaining about who wants to be a ship's captain and has, has feel. Well, feel she actually says has feelings for me yeah so basically she goes to tell him immediately Riker interrupts her because mm. he's like don't do that like don't fucking tell mm. him because I think in the previous conversation they were having he does say like you can't like tell him that's weird and then she kind of goes no no like this is you know this is the guy who like I I'm in like like he 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 thinks you're gonna be upset that I'm in love with him mm. and he goes oh you're the ship captain mm. You're the one who wants to be the ship captain. And he gives, like, Diana, like, a look of, like, wait, <laughs> you already told him? Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had a good conversation about yep. it. Well, Jim. Yeah, and he's, um, and, you know, I think what's real, I think this does kind of echo again what we talked about very in the introduction, which was, how are these characters going to be played? And what we're seeing here is, of course, Riker being, he's not terrible. He's not a terrible person. He He's just letting his emotions rule him you know not not in a terrible way but he's kind of being a bit no. you know he's being a little he's not being the most mature he can be but you know that's okay he's trying to process things in his own way and then here comes yeah it, it, here comes Wyatt. it definitely was, wasn't as bad as it so, could be no no you're right i think it couldn't be it could be a lot worse but then here comes wyatt who is like super understanding and mm. and doesn't seem to have a jealous bone in his body which which kind of makes sense you know i mean he it, just met the he woman just met why her. would he be jealous that's right he's saying look i this is a thing. I, I I'm prepared to commit to it. Nice to meet you. You know, and good luck. Yeah, he says good luck with your ambition. Good luck with your ambition. Yeah. It's a big job here. You better go run the ship. <laughs> and then you know, Riker says, well, "I'm going. I'm, yeah, I'm going." <laughs> oh, shut up! Well, I was already gonna shut go. Up, I'm you going. Tell me to go. To shut up! You're crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> and he um and he, he leaves, uh, leaving um Wyatt and um uh, Deanna on the uh, uh on the uh, on the holodeck, which then. You know, results in them having smoochy poochies on the rock. It does, but mm. it leads quite naturally it's to that. Like it good. wasn't very naturally because mm. he, because he basically ends the conversation with Riker being like, "But Deanna, you're the amazing one here because mm. what you did just then was crazy, mm. and you convinced them to like actually they're doing a split mm. wedding now. They're doing a half human, half Betazoid because you just did you didn't hold anything back." And she was like, "Oh, I just had a tantrum." Mm. And he was like, "No, no, no, you're much better than you think you are." Mm. And like they kind of bond, and then he makes a joke about his like catching his dad like practicing naked mm. in front of the mirror because basically it's like going to be the two of them naked her mom his dad mm. and then everyone else will be clothed mm. and they have a really nice like they joke about stuff and he seems to really respect her and like like they they seem like they're actually learning stuff about mm. each other and enjoying what they're learning mm. about each other and so when they kissed it felt very natural mm. yeah. like I, I actually was like oh they're sweet together mm. they're really nice yep. yeah and it was a good kiss as well. Like, the actual kiss, it can be... Sometimes it just looks so terrible. Like, I think even in this series, it's like, they're just kind of, like, smushing each other against each other. Especially in, like, the 90s, 80s. Mm. Like, but it was perfectly fine. Wasn't gross yep. at all. I, I agree completely. It was a really well-delivered kiss. It's uh, unfortunate that you know, we know what we know about Robert Nipper now. But it was a great scene of two people finally connecting. Um, and also, you know, I mean, you want to you get the smooch on. You want to make sure that, hey, you know, 
what kind of kisser are you kind of thing and it just works it's a great piece of writing uh really nice nicely directed it feels real it feels very real and it, you're absolutely right it doesn't feel at all like a goofy 80s 90s kiss if they're really selling this the, the actors and it's nice it's a, just a nice scene and again we see oh, okay well this is a pretty good thing and again structurally from a writing point of view it's so smart you know we we uh, look at it i mean we, it, it's literally working on us we are do we, our responses are exactly what the uh the writers uh want us to do they want us to think oh well this is a, a good person and and this seems yeah. actually like not the worst deal in the world. Yeah, and and one thing I actually forgot to mention was that when he they have the conversation and then he sits down on the rock with her and he says, "Do you know the one thing I still haven't asked you? Do you actually want to do this? Mm. Like, do you really want to go through with mm. this?" And she goes, "Yeah, I actually, I think I do." Mm. And that's when they kiss. Yeah, yeah. And it was like lovely. Yeah, so it's yeah. actually weirdly consensual for the eighties, you know, which isn't. Yeah, I would have liked if she asked him, but that was the only little thing. It was fine. You know, he seemed he seemed on board. Uh, are you sure you want to go through it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. But look, it, you know, I think again, very adult scene. It wasn't about him busting a move. She wasn't probably ever going to bust a move, really. But yeah, nice scene. And and again, I think we we as we've expressed, we we've come to like him and now them. The idea of them possibly more and more a spin-off series, another spin-off series. They- <laughs> I'm going to say, I never expected this to go anywhere. You know, I wasn't expecting a spin-off series. No, I don't think we were expecting I was just enjoying them good. for the moment. Anyway, yeah. back on the bridge, there's plot happening. As Picard's getting very concerned that the Torellians, who should have communicated now, aren't communicating now. And the German lady, the blonde German lady, who looks quite a bit like the, um, again, the, the blonde lady in the, uh, uh, in, in the drawings, demands I'm that- just going to say, I did outwardly say she looks nothing like like the person in the drawing, but I suppose it's supposed I mean, to be know, that. I mean, I'd like to know how much they meant this. I mean, you know, let's not get into spoiler territory yet, but I'd like to know whether there was any thought behind that. Um, I'd like to think mm-hmm. there was, because if there was, I think, congrats. Because I think a lot of people would have made that assumption that there's, sure, you know, yeah. because they're kind of, you know, they're blonde women with hair, you know, they're, they're probably mm-hmm. similar. Anyway, um, so the German lady from Haven is demanding action because of fear of infection and you know, Picard agrees and Yah says, I could take out their thrusters or whatever. And Picard's saying, oh, but then what would we do, Lieutenant? And then uh, the decision to make Geordie, I think it is, decides we throw up the old, the good old tractor beam, the good yeah. old tractor beam. And in what is... It solves everything. It does everything. And in what is, can I just say, to date, the worst piece of effects so far in Star Trek Next Generation as as the Enterprise locks tractor beams onto the Torellian ship and it is really poorly done. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it, it, it was done better say, in the original series. Yeah, in the uh, earlier in the episode, I actually, there was a shot of outside the ship mm. and the planet and that, that hung for a bit and I thought, that looks really shit. Yeah. Like, that looks worse than it has. So yeah. I wonder if they had a low budget this episode. Yeah, I wonder if they did. I wonder if the budget went elsewhere on this episode. Um, yeah, good call. Mm. Um, maybe the, that stuff was done pretty late in the piece. Yeah, I, I, I had that thought too that, you know, just normally the backgrounds are actually pretty decent. They're just matte paintings and they're pretty good, but it looked yeah. very rushed. And this scene, like the tractor beam, you know, which is obviously a bit of matte drawing hits the ship and the ship kind of just sort of in a very kind of old school way because this is pre-CGI just kind of they move the model forward 
like it just yeah it looks bad anyway so they tracked the beam the ship in order to stop it from reaching the planet at which point suddenly communication i don't know why it didn't before but anyway suddenly there's communication from from the planet and we are greeted by by wyatt's hottie blonde lady yeah on screen and it's definitely her because we're made to believe that it's oh yeah because there's a big zoom in on deanna's face as she goes what what oh i know that face and at which point again for no reason no. whatsoever no, no, no. why it appears no, it, on it the cuts, he's not part it's of the clear crew. commercial break then it cuts and then he walks a commercial you know, and he walks in he says what what did you want me for? Like what's going on? I didn't on? think like, he said Picard that. Called him. I didn't think he does. He, he does because 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 he said why is like what what does Picard want? Like because Picard calls. Oh him. okay, all right. So he my explicitly fault. So says, there's actually a reason yeah. for him to be there. They called him. Yeah. Yeah. And and is he holding the paintings again? Is that what he's doing? <laughs> yeah, I think he is. I, I, so I, I don't think they never pay this off in this scene from memory, but but essentially he yes, he, I'm pretty sure he's got these paintings in. And yes, after um, after uh, the previous uh, scene before the outbreak of Deanna going, what? <laughs> then Wyatt walks in and goes, what? <laughs> As he sees uh, the woman whose name is Greek. Quick, what is it again? It's Greek. It's, um... Uh, um, um... It starts with uh, a... Uh, Adriana. Amira? No, no, oh, no Adriana. Okay. Yeah, Adriana. Uh, anyway, so... Um, and now we get to meet um, the, the crew of the Torellian ship who is, um, so there's Adriana, who appears a bit older than I was expecting, but anyway. Really? I thought she was, but maybe it was just a... She's like a baby. Was she? Maybe it was just a spray-on yeah. tan or whatever she was wearing. I will say, she. so she, the, the, the communication starts, she's at the front of the screen, they all react, whatever, mm. and then she's there for a while, and then a man steps forward and puts his hands on her arms and moves her to the <laughs> side so he could speak instead. Yeah, it's important. Because she doesn't need to say well, anything. We, we don't want these women, you know, speaking too much. No. You know, and, and yeah. getting ahead of themselves. But it turns out that he's her dad. Sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> sure. Like, but why did she answer the communication if she wasn't going to answer the communication? But they knew. They knew why it was there, didn't they? We don't know she why. We don't know why they knew. Because yeah. they're not telepathic as far as we know. Or, no, they must be. Because how did he dream of her? Well, no, but why it's not telepathic either. But they've been having so dreams they about must, each other. Because she's been having dreams about him. Yes. So yeah. somehow... Well, well so, so... Yeah. No, sorry. I was skipping into the, into the future. They do kind of explain it a little bit. Well, anyway. The, yeah, so we what we learn about the Torellians is that possibly they want to... Because this is where everything... This is where everything really, from a writing point of view... Really comes together is this old the thing from the very first scene about the planet having healing powers is alluded to by Picard saying, "Oh, do you want to come down and do you think you're going to get healed on this planet?" But in fact, uh, again, in a sign of real emotional maturity in this in this um, show, that the Torellians say, "Look, we just want you to we want to be put down on a um, on an island in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. away from everyone. We don't want to infect anyone, and basically, we'll see what happens. And we're happy to die there if yeah. that's what happens. Otherwise, you know." We're happy to die here. We, we, we've accepted our fates here. If we die while you've got us... I mean, I must say, they look very healthy. If people are about to die. You know, we're happy to die on the ship while we're in your tractor beam. But, yeah, maybe they could heal. And that's it uh, of this scene. Um, because then we move on, strangely, to a scene between Roxana and Wyatt. But before I go there, what have I missed from this scene? Because I feel like I have missed anything. Something. 
I really didn't. That was pretty much yeah, it. White doesn't do. I mean, essentially, White and Adriana just kind of stare at each other. Yeah. Because you know? she goes like, "I knew you were real," yeah, or yeah. whatever. He's like, he goes like, "How can she? Like, I've never met this woman. Mm. Like, how can I? It was as so accurate." Mm, mm. But they don't really talk much more about it. I don't think. No, not at all. It's pretty. It's pretty brief. Like, it's they, yeah. there's a lot of staring as everyone tries to sort out, you know, what what's going on and how they're going to deal with it. And then there's this kind of weird but again strangely smart and emotionally smart scene where for some reason <laughs> the first person white wants to go see is uh roxana troy Dana's mother uh and of course yeah. roxana knows everything because she can read thoughts and white wants to uh you know go and ask her about how can this be and roxana explains she's this is the first this is the first and only time i think we see her being vulnerable we see her being low-key and just kind of just being, well, being, being, okay. being connected to another person. Being connected to another. There was person. a second when she did that. The start of this scene was him walking in and her saying, "Don't you like my new hair? Oh, yeah, of classic. course, it'll look much better when I'm naked." <laughs> and she just talks about being. Uh, she's so excited to get naked yeah, at the wedding because what and she talks about it so yeah, times because she pays it off brilliantly. So because what happens is she does that and then he talks and they he she understands of course because she's a dirty mind reader and then she sort of takes him down or they sit down together and there's this you see this other side of Roxana who's who is actually who's actually list, connected to someone she's not just barging through the world having her own thoughts and she's you know she explains how all life is connected and that's the great secret and that's what the humans don't understand which is a bit twee but anyway but of course yeah. he's you know it's not I mean it doesn't really matter it's there's no point trying no. to explain it because who cares that's not really the point of this episode and but he's like totally sold on it. he's like yeah yeah that I, I knew that I knew that and she said look Look, but we need to talk about more pressing issues. Do you like this hair clip or this hair clip? Yeah. Well, she says, which one of these will look better when yeah. I'm naked? It's so good. She, I mean, the writing here she's is spectacular and she's just delivering it. She's absolutely having a yeah. ball here. I mean, this is, you know, the kind of role that actors just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just, this is, so, you know, the bigger, the better. The bigger I go, the funnier it's going to be. Anyway, so we then see Wyatt on the, um, she's in, he's in the, the surgery collecting things. Something's afoot. This is my instant thought. Uh-oh, something, something's going on here. I mean, but you knew what was happening, right? We, I, I don't, see, here's the thing. He's explaining, so Crusher appears and he's explaining that medical staff is going to get beamed over because they, the, the, the Federation and, and Picard really need to do all they can for these people people so let's go send them some stuff all right that i don't really remember anything before that but we 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 gather that you know what's going to happen because there's also a scene where because he's looking very furtive and then there's this scene where he um grabs a device which i think we at this stage we know to be a tranquilizer and like put some stuff in it and then after crush is gone because he doesn't want to she doesn't he doesn't want to see her doing it and then leaves the surgery so you know it's pretty obvious there's nothing you know there's nothing particularly you know surprising going on here and also i thought it was a I don't remember sort of a thing, but maybe it was. Maybe Picard had to throw a line about, yeah, let's send the medical stuff. No, no, no. This is the first time they mentioned it. It is, right. Yeah, which was a bit jarring at the time. Anyway, this is the scene where where, um, Deanna and... uh, who? Actually, I'm not... Hang on, just let me pause there. So I've got... I've written here, unfortunately, I've scrawled. I've said, Deanna, I can't read who it is, in quotation marks, say goodbye. Is it her and Wyatt talking? I think... Yeah, so I think you've skipped a little bit. Yeah, tell me what I've... So basically... 
Well, well, because that's like two scenes ahead. Because it's basically like the scene we just talked about. That I mean, I'm not saying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no we, we just you, this. you and this, I this, talking. This, the scene we just talked about. Then the transporter scene where he tranquilizes the guy. Then he goes over and talks to the people. And then there's the scene at the end where he's talking basically on the communicator uh, okay. to Picard but and the crew. Is, so that's the scene yeah, yeah, you're talking on, about when he on. says but goodbye. But there is. I want to. So because I just write in the order that happens. So we have the white scene in the in the surgery. What's it called? The surgery. The oh, I know what you're talking about. And then so Deanna and he goes and sees his parents and Diana before he goes over. That's the next scene. Wyatt, Wyatt goes and talks to his parents and he's basically like, "Be you know, take ah, care of each other." And, like, he what? and then he turns to Deanna and he's like, "He says, you know, I like you know, I enjoyed when we kissed." And then he kisses her again and then he leaves. So then after Wyatt sort of sneaks off furtively with this thing and the medical equipment, um, we cut to Deanna talking to Wyatt's parents. I don't remember what that's about, but Wyatt enters pretty promptly and he sort of says tells them to love one another essentially and it feels very goodbye to me they're all very yes you know there's there's definitely a feeling that something's going on which cuts pretty much immediately to the classic let's tranquilize the transporter chief scene so we can sneak off the planet i mean there's no security around the transporter at all like anyone could just tranquilize anyone and use the transporter and who is he's never used a transporter before what does he know about transporters anyway so he tranquilizes the chief and what we then learn is that Geordie announces to Picard there's there's someone porting, transporting over to the Torellian ship stop it Geordie it's too late they've already gone because there's no security yeah. protocols and of course um, it then cuts to the, the kind of the, the, the book the bookend image, if you will, of Wyatt entering the Torellian ship and being immediately uh, confronted by all these sort of hand-drawn images of Wyatt growing up. Yeah, which all looked like they were drawn by different people. Well, yes. And also, for the most part, he looked very handsome in them, except this one <laughs> where he looked really janky. <laughs> he did. Like, because it, it, it was scrolling past all of them, and one of them it was like, ooh, yeah. some young prince. And then it was like, ooh, a little goblin. Yes, he, he looks like a goblin, looks like a little goblin but then i assumed it was just age like because who's obviously drawing these is ariana adriana she's she's drawing these images as she grows up and or maybe as she learns to draw and initially this is she does have a maybe she has a maybe she discovers an art movement on a torellian art (laughs) movement like a sort of cubist thing and draws him like a goblin but then he suddenly reappears as he is and so clearly she's been drawing him as he's been uh drawing her and then of course we're we're back on the Enterprise bridge as Picard and um, well you know obviously Wyatt meets Wyatt meets the the father whose name I don't remember I don't think he even has a name Uh, maybe he does but he then obviously meets Adriana and and you know the, the, the one standard I'll take from this is if there was quite a really well, really lovely, honest connection between Wyatt and Deanna, this thing falls flat completely. Yeah. <laughs> this is yep. just like, she's like, hi, Wyatt. He's like, oh, hi, you're the woman I dreamed of. Yes. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. And there's just nothing going on here at all. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, because when they, when, you know, we see the woman for the first time and we realize, oh, this is a woman from dreams. I kind of had this moment of like oh so the reason that she's in his dreams is not because it's a, it's not really about her and it's not about being in love 
her. It's about being, it's saving these people, like that he can actually help these people. Because earlier he says, you know, when Deanna says like, oh, Riker's dream is to be a starship captain. He says, my my dream is to cure people, mm. you know? Mm. And so this is his dream, mm. you know? So it's- and I was like, that's cool. Like, I, I, I like this, that it that kind of, it subverted your expectation of her being like the a woman that he's in love with for no reason. Ah, right. Um, but unfortunately, okay. it, it did... Whilst it did do that and it was about them helping these people, there was an overtone of like they ended up held holding hands yeah. and he was like, oh, she's the one for me. Whereas just cut all of that because it didn't do anything and you didn't need it. Because the thing is, it's not like he had to choose her over Deanna. He just had to choose helping these yeah. people because once he went to the ship, he can never come back because he could be infected. Yeah. So it, it shouldn't like it's not about him like choosing this woman mm. over marrying Deanna. It's about him choosing helping people over yeah, marrying Yeah, Deanna. I think that's uh, really well said. Um, I think, uh, though, that unfortunately because it's this woman and it's this attractive yeah. woman and that clear, unfortunately, clearly the actor really isn't bringing it or doesn't have much to give anyway in terms of the she, lines she was she was given like maybe a line yeah, she, maybe a couple some, words and she was yeah. very end of the episode yeah, yeah. i mean um you know she didn't have uh, she wasn't given a lot of opportunity but it, it does fall flat and it ends up in this kind of gray area like he's clearly there to help them and he's decided yep i'm coming over to help them and now he can't come back because he's infected of course and the parents are on the bridge and they're you know it's very sad but he's telling deanna the i guess he really respects her i think i don't really remember what he says to her to be honest he doesn't say a lot he mostly just says like i you know but but she, she's the one basically mm. and then like because it, it actually was this he says this and then they kind of say you know the guy talks to picard and says you know like oh thank you and you know we'll be well, off well, and this is what we really w- came actually yeah th- so this was their plan all along they knew he was coming yes. right yeah and you know not like there's other doctors in the world and basically they they kind of i mean plan to kidnap him in the sense that they knew no i wonder did they emotionally manipulate him over a space of like 20 years so they could kidnap him and put him on the ship i mean but but that's the thing it's not about like they weren't projecting anything she also got magical dreams that they had no idea where they were coming Mm. from like she just uh, i guess got a bit more detail than he did or at least you know so because of her biology maybe she could interpret it more than he could he does literally say we are the we got what we came for (laughs) yes no i mean that's true but basically it was like that clearly from the dream she knew a bit more info she knew his name was Wyatt. she knew who he Mm. was she knew that basically i think she had some future sight of like he is going to save them He's going to cure mm. them, like, or at least some instinct mm. that, that was going to happen. So they, and then you, he was going to be there at that mm. time. So they went there and they went, yeah. you know, oh, we knew you were going to come to us and help us and yeah. save us. Like, thank God. So yeah, they kind of tripped them a little bit, but you know, they didn't, they didn't really influence him in any way. They didn't, you know, they didn't actually kidnap him. He chose to go. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I mean, I, that, that's quite true, really. But anyway, mm. what the, the, I guess the leader of the of the Trillian says is, look, we've got White now. Somehow he's going to do what no one else in on the world has been able to do <laughs> in the whole galaxy and cure us. Well, yeah, because this is the thing. It's not like she, they picked a random right. doctor. This was like fate because they like so, right. knew that he was the one that was going to... There's like future sight stuff happening. Okay. Yeah, and see, this is where I feel like if it was more about, if it was less about them having some love connection or whatever, and when she saw mm. him, she like breaks down. Like she has like tears and she's like, she's like, I knew it wasn't fake. I knew it wasn't a mm. dream. I knew I'm actually gonna fucking mm. be able to live. 
you know, because for her it means more because and she's been telling her people that like this is, you know, I'm will be saved, don't worry, mm. like, you know, and so when it actually comes true, mm. you know, that it means a lot to yeah, her. Okay. And like I would have liked to, if you lean more that way, you can have more emotional impact because you don't have any time for them to be in love. Yeah. There's no time for that. In, in so. a way, it, it is a sort of, I guess you're right, in that's in looking at that way, it's a kind of mirror of the, Deanna and his relationship, but it's one that has personal meaning for him. I do want, uh, look, if we can just quickly wrap up the plot here, because there's nothing really else to go. Essentially, yeah. goodbyes are said. And, well, there's a sad moment where, you know, he kind of goes like, she's the one, blah, 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 and they turn off the communication, and Deanna very quickly goes, oh, goodbye. Because he doesn't say goodbye to her. Oh, really? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he doesn't say goodbye. He oh, just okay. he, he does a brief explanation and he just turns it off. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she says a very sad, quiet goodbye. Oh. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, okay. because she, she yeah. kind of cared for him. I think she did. I mean, you know, you don't you don't mack on someone in the in the holodeck without having feelings, mate. Yeah, there there is the other thing of this being a yeah a mirror of Riker cool. that can we can never truly sorry no no I was gonna we say can, can we actually just stop there because I would like to discuss the that that whole concept at the end of of sure. this structure but anyway if yep. we can sort of wrap up the plot stuff so yes there's this moment they stay so the trillion ship is let go they say their goodbyes down and i think we immediately go down to the transporter room where i think the millers leave first from memory i'm not even sure no no they yeah, yeah. and then um but this is sort of all about roxana's goodbye to to everyone and she said goodbye 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 and and you know try and be a good betazoid and she gets another killer line at the end with Picard. Oh yeah. Uh, she gets yep. to, to say, uh, "Oh, I, I thought such and such as thoughts about me were pornographic." Captain Picard, and he's like shocked, of course. And in, in true yeah. English style, he says, "We're not amused." Just a nice way to end it off. And and she departs the scene, and they all return to the bridge to go off and have adventures. Um, that that this wasn't their destiny. Haven wasn't their destiny. And they're due to have adventures. And the counselor Troy and and uh, Commander Riker are able to kind of look and smile at each other. Humor over you know as they sit either side of Picard and that wraps up the episode <laughs> of course you know Councillor Troy doesn't get any emotional you know um, resolution at the <laughs> end of it no. no she just has to you know sit down and smile at Riker because again this is the this is fundamentally the, the the problem with the episode it should be completely about her and in the end it actually has nothing to do with her <laughs> really yeah she makes no choices in this episode she makes no choices she's utterly passive she's put upon she gets to say some nice smart things but she she makes not a single decision because in fact the active person uh, in this episode is is Wyatt yeah and I think they know they've got a very good guest actor I mean Robert Nepper is his done a lot of work and he was an absolutely you know constantly jobbing actor um, who appears in lots of shows often playing bad guys weirdly as he ages Nepper becomes really dodgy looking and because when he appeared I thought oh, I know him and he's dodgy mm. because he spent most of his career playing criminals and dodgy people but you know he's younger he's a lot younger here and he looks a bit sort of dweeby I guess but as he ages out he, he looks quite you google him everyone he he kind of gets that look but he ends up controlling it and unfortunately this should have been her episode and this is just a fault again of the writing where the guest actor controls things and what may be maybe what rather than you see this is what would have fixed this issue 
instead of Wyatt taking matters into his own hands, it should have been Troy who did all that. He, she should have come to him and, and he should have said, oh, he should have come to her and said, oh, what I feel. And she should have had the power to let him go. And in fact said, I've got a plan. And she should have put that plan together, given him the thing to go, realizing that this was his destiny. You know, just yeah. a scene like that would have given him her agency. She could have made that decision for him. Instead, he's the one who suddenly becomes active because that's all it is. It's that scene that makes him active, you know, yeah. because none of them are really like she's not. I mean, yes, he does lay the kiss on her, of course, because, you know, it's the 80s. But this is the moment where they're actually proactive and it's him who's proactive. Whereas if he'd been a bit confused because of his feelings and he's actually coming to like her and she'd released him from those feelings to, to really because that would have been demonstrable of her maturity because she says a lot of things and now she proves yep. that she is that mature person and that's that's all that would have that that a moment would have probably been enough just to take that little bit of away from the episode to really take this episode you know to the top i think anyway i think it definitely would have been a lot better i think the one thing with that is that the put upon woman who has to martyr herself is kind of a thing sometimes of like oh don't worry i'll let you go like i'll just put i'll just you know suffer through it and mm -hmm. i'll allow you to go and live your better dreams that don't include right really caring about me at all that's a bit of a thing i do agree if she had an active role like if she yeah. if she was making a plan and initiating stuff like that I think that would have pretty much negated a lot of that. Like, I don't want it to mm. just be her being like, oh, go, mm. and giving him permission. Yeah, yeah, no, but, I mean, she... Yeah, yeah look, I, I know what you... And I think that's a really good point. But she... It is how you write it and play it. Like, she doesn't have to be, True, oh, yeah. you go. She could be... She could be like, well, why? What are you talking about? Clearly, you have to do this. I mean, she can be... She can show the same sort of maturity. She doesn't have to go... Oh no! Listen, this sounds really important. Let's do it. Let me help you. Let me help mm. you, and I to, or, or not let me help you. Make it happen without his permission. Says there you go. This is you know because you. I don't know. I'm I'm smarter. I'm more emotional. But yeah, I mean, you're right. There, there was there is a good chance if that scene was written that way, you know, if the, if the if rather than. Wyatt being proactive, she being proactive, I think you're right. I think it probably would have ended up that way mm. because, you know, it is the era, unfortunately. Because I, I think the main issue is that there are a bunch of different kind of little ways you could tweak that and write it with her kind of acting different ways or having different levels of assertion. But the issue is there's, I don't know what crisis internally for her we're trying to solve or trying to explore, mm. you know, like, because there isn't really any, like, is it the fact that Riker doesn't want to be with her or that like that sh there's duties and so then mm. like I don't know I don't know what external struggle she's having I've got it I've got it I've got it I know I think I know the solution so the thing that those two have in common the whole episode is they show what a mature relationship can be like Right. So then they work together consensually to resolve the issue because the thing they have to overcome is their adherence to the agreement of their parents. Yeah. Like that should have been the thing they had to overcome, but they didn't have to overcome it. Yeah. That needed to be the thing that they both needed to overcome. And in the spirit of the way that episode was written, they needed to then 
combine together, do a bit of a kind of heist, do a bit of a caper thing where they join forces because they like each other clearly and they respect, more importantly, they respect each other. Yeah. So they, in that, in that sense, they come together to realize that. And maybe if there'd been enough time, if maybe, maybe there'd been a few less jokes, maybe really, I mean, the jokes were good. I enjoyed them, but maybe if you cut half of that dinner scene, not that I want to, I'd be sad to lose it in hindsight, <laughs> devoted that to having them come together and consensually say right let's solve this together and do a little bit of a you know where they sneak around and like do a thing and distract people and so there's a joy in them doing together so when they see each other on the bridge rather than her going oh bye Mm. you know she's like yeah brother do it and she's like yeah and you know and they can join that and and they and the parents the and this is the other thing this is where and the parents who've been arguing they finally come together over their mutual dissatisfaction about the kids going off and doing stuff without their permission and then they can join forces you know remember the great moment in in first season the king of the hill where the the guy from laos moves in next door to them and then the hank is it the dad in the was it well yeah, hank's it, the main dad H- hank's the main dad and the Laotian guy bond over the fact that they punish their kids the same way right right you know and that's how they join you know because it's all this kind of like hey, there's some asian dude living next to me but then they join forces because they're both really sort of mean dads or not mean dad but they both kind of punish their kids the same way well these parents could finally bond over the fact that their kids were disobedient sure you know it was an opportunity to kind of that was missed i think mm. you know and and again in the spirit of wanting to rewrite these episodes every time that would have taken this episode to being a really solid episode yeah like particularly in comparison to what was come before to being i would think i mean i you know i i haven't googled top 10 best episodes of star trek next generation i'm not sure if this is in it but this would have been right up there i mean there's some there's some really good stuff that's coming yeah but this would have been right up there i think if they just nailed that stuff down perfectly yeah i agree i think that's i think that's a good solution to it yeah yeah which brings me to what I really want to discuss about this episode and why this, this episode is special. And, and you touched upon it before, which is joining the dots. Because this episode joins the dots so, so well compared to what's come before. You know, that's what gives its, its strength and its solidity, this episode. Even within scenes, dots are drawn. We hit the gong and then at the end of that episode, she smashes the gong on the table. We see the guy having a little drink and it ends with him getting absolutely smashed. We see Data hovering and then it ends with him going bickering. You know, there was so much great setup and payoff going on in this episode. Yeah. And, and this is why this is really the best written episode, I think, of the show since, again, I go back to the pilot, but it, it does it so well. It kind of falls over in the end, unfortunately, yeah. but it, it happens so quickly compared to what's come before it and the joy of what's come before it that you kind of forgive it I guess um, well I did anyway I, I, yeah I think I think yes it was not a perfect episode I still think it was very very good very solid yeah I mean it's it's certainly been the best episode so far and and something in my brain is starting to remember that maybe we're going to start to see a bit of growth now mm. in some of these episodes because we're the thing I abs- I mean and I've said it before I didn't watch Next Generation when it came out at all I think I watched an episode I think it actually was the pilot because I thought watch it and I thought it was terrible because you know the comparison to that was the comparative sophistication of the original series mm. which I think to be quite frank I think if you I think if you put an outro of a, of a scene from the original series going to ad break to one in next generation I think the original series would, would kill it because yeah. some, it, some of the next generation this season has been really bad like I mean we often talk about 
another a series that we we adore Buffy and we talk about how that first season was tough you know it, it's got its moments and it it is a little dated but I don't think it's as dated as some of the stuff that's going on in in this and admittedly it's years older it's like 10 years yeah. 10 years older but still even I remember for the 80s it was but yeah I couldn't agree more my favorite episode so far it has all the elements I wish it could have had the things that we discussed to really pay it off like really giving goddamn Troy a chance yeah you know because that's the thing ultimately Ultimately, you know, he, he, why it was a reflection of the same issue she was having with Riker, which was that they mm. loved each other and that they had all mm. have feelings for each other, but Riker's ambition was, couldn't allow for them to have an actual relationship. Mm. And ultimately that's exactly what happened with Wyatt was that his ambition and dream was to cure people. And that's what he had to go off to do so he couldn't be mm. with her. And yeah, it's like, right. is that a compelling story that she's just always going to be abandoned by men who want things that they feel are more important than her? I don't know. Obviously, it dates the show in the sense that, you know, I mean, is that an on... That is absolutely an ongoing conversation for women in terms of parenthood and career. We know that, you know, practically, personally, culturally, you can't have your starship and have kids. And there's a bit of that going on here, of course, you know, because because it is, in fact, unfortunately, down at Troy, who's given the line, oh, yes, but you want your ship. Meaning what? Well, he can have his ship and you can have your counselling career. Yeah. And then you can... I don't really understand what the issue is maybe, yeah, maybe there, it was explained right. more in the pilot and i just forgot but no i mean it, it is an echo it's roddenberry's echo of the very first movie mm-hmm. because what this is an echo of is a relationship between decker and whatever her name was i can't remember her name sorry the Ela, the the uh persis weirdly i can remember the actor's name persis combatter it was a kind of that you know we were in love but we couldn't be together because there were too many differences mm. but yeah what those differences were who knows i mean i understand if they're saying that well she is his subordinate therefore that's probably not great but like mm. ultimately i don't know are they always going to be working on the same ship doesn't really matter mm. yeah yeah and, and why you know what is exactly the issue with their relationship but yes i mean i mean look we could do this in every good episode of television where we pick it apart yeah. but yeah i think all in all really solid episode of tv a really i mean a solid episode of tv i think yeah, that was a, a, a me misspeaking there but in fact probably pretty accurate really just this is just a really good solid episode of tv we talk about we have a deeply shared love uh, as do a lot of people of wrath of khan and in fact i was listening to pat oswald to be slightly if you know who pat oswald is i do so he's the so he um i'm not sure how recent it was but he did a little thing for gq i think a where he wanted to rate the best and worst five science fiction films, right? Mm. And I'm not sure I completely agree with him, to be honest, but in the best ones, one of the Star Trek films appears in the worst ones, and you can probably guess which one that is. And in the... Actually, actually, having said that, I disagree with that, but it's not the worst episode of film of Star Trek. Wait, Um, what is... Do you mean motion picture or...? Yeah, he talks about the motion picture being the worst. I don't think you can count that as one of the five worst sci-fi films. Like, it's not good. I don't think so. Well, he talks... If you anyway if yeah. everyone's listening and watch that just Patton Oswald science fiction movies he makes the point he is quite clearly a deep lover of Star Trek and why he hates it with with great abandon is because it's not Star Trek and he's right it isn't Star Trek and that's kind of what I really love about it that it isn't Star Trek it's also it's failure to some extent it's deep failure is its obsession with its effects to be quite frank because if you tighten that film up by 40 minutes it'd probably fly no but it isn't star trek and of course 
his favourite or one of his top favourite five films is Wrath of Khan. And he says exactly what we always say about Wrath of Khan and what anyone with any brain in their heads we should say about that film. It's just a great movie about revenge. It doesn't matter whether you know Star Trek. You don't have to. It's just a really, really well-made film about revenge. And this episode, it's not Wrath of Khan, of course, but this is a really good episode about here's a good point about destiny because he talks about I mean Picard echoes that about destiny what is your destiny you know Mm. Riker's destiny is to be a starship captain Wyatt's destiny is to be to cure people unfortunately for this episode apparently Troy's destiny just doesn't matter (laughs) is to be abandoned by men well yeah apparently so (laughs) perhaps perhaps that is the reason why Yeah. yeah unfortunately but um, yeah. yeah. But honestly, I is... think we're talking a lot about the failures of the episode because we see its potential, not because mm. it's annoyingly frustrating or anything. It's no, like, no, no. You're, you're... It's like it just could have been, you know, it could have been perfect. If you just... It could have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. And that is the great thing about the flawed masterpieces is they gnaw at you for the rest of your life. Oh, when yeah. it's something that you love, they're the ones you remember. The ones that are perfect, yeah, you, you, you go, oh, yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. What's the Fraser line of what do we love more than a, a wonderful French, you know, um, meal is a wonderful French meal with one tiny flaw that we can pick at all night long. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's right because, because it's the hope of the next thing it, mm. or it's something, it's something we need. I mean, of course we, you know, I, we watch, that's not true about the Wrath of Khan. It's perfect. It's completely perfect. <laughs> and there are many films and things that are just perfect they don't need to be any better but there is something about the flawed masterpiece that kind of that gnaws at us that thinks and yeah and and maybe flawed masterpiece is a bit of an exaggeration i was gonna say i think we we've just getting gotten built up emotionally i do not think that we're putting it up there a little high this is just we are more hypothetical so it's a very good episode it's very solid is it an amazing episode like is it one of the greatest episodes of tv no is it even one of the greatest episodes of next gen i'll have to see i don't think so (laughs) Well, you'd hope not. I hope that's the thing. I hope when you said like, "Oh, this could have been up there," I was like, "Like, it's really good," but I hope not. (laughs) Well, again, you're speaking from someone who I was never. I mean, in many ways, this is my first real deep exploration of next gen because when you start talking star trek it's like talking anything passionate like talking buffy everyone comes out of the woods Mm. and here's the thing a lot of the people i talk to because star trek lasted had one good season maybe two good seasons and one really bad season a million years ago and then got replayed many people's love is this show because this is really the first time star trek got to live on tv you know got seven seasons and it was really popular and 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 that was that so a lot of people love next generation i wouldn't say with the passion they love buffy but there's different reasons for that of course because it isn't you know it's just a different um it deals with different issues and i've just never had that feeling i've just never had that feeling so in many ways this is my opportunity to say okay well could i find some love in this show i certainly found can i also say where the fuck is wesley right Uh, oh my god okay i was just about to be like like in my head i was like do you know how good this episode is i just realized wesley wasn't in it Wesley's not in it. He's not in it. I just, the exact same moment, I was like, where's my boy? It would have been great if it was just one episode where he turns up in a a jumper and then (laughs) Roxana says something about his jumper. Yeah. (laughs) That would be perfect. And he goes, what? And he looks down at his jumper and he's all confused and he walks off sadly. (laughs) That would be perfect. Uh... 
Maybe there was too talk, too much talk about being naked for a young child to be in this episode. Probably and pornography. There's yes. so many. words. Sometimes I'm shocked about yeah. the language that gets used. What was the episode? It was a few back, and I was like, oh my god, the language they're using was was really kind of intense. Uh, they said like, rape, the rape planet. Yes, yeah, the no, rape. It was. Planet. It was. Yeah. Like, it was really intense. The rape fields like, or whatever. I was like, good. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It was. It was pretty full on, and and you know, she uses the word pornographic. Yeah. It's like, wow, really? We probably... I mean, these days you'd be using the word pornographic, and maybe this is a sign of the 80s. You'd be saying the word pornographic in a HBO show, mm. or as a joke maybe, or something. But but I mean, I guess we just don't say the word pornography much. It's just very... I mean, it's very... It's a cold word, I guess. It's a very sort of intellectual word, porn, you know, pornographic. You know, anyway, yes, <laughs> maybe it's a bit too, maybe, um, I wonder if that's actually a thing. No, but Wesley was in that episode, but I wonder if that's a thing where, you know, you say, oh, this is the one where we're going to talk about stuff a bit. Of- I just don't think he wasn't necessary. I think it's totally fine yeah. to keep him out of it. Oh, absolutely. He wasn't. Totally I mean, not, I, did, I forgot he was there. Nor was Yah, nor was anyone else. I episode. mean, they were technically there, but yes. Well, they were in the crew, so they should be there. Yeah. Anyway. We should wrap it up. All right. Well, I think that probably, I think that's probably it. We're, we're overselling it. Maybe a little I bit. I don't think it I am. Good. I think you are. I, I, okay. I'm overselling it. I just—it's been so hard. I know these last nine, ten episodes. I—you I, know—it's a real struggle this first season. I find it. I find it a real struggle. I react to all the technical stuff and all the writing stuff, which I just it really gnaws at me. Thinking this is just really badly written. But I think people were just so fucking excited to have Star Trek back on TV. They didn't give a shit, mm. you know, and they just wanted to have Star Trek back on. And but I know, you know, again to reference the oral history of Star Trek. Honestly, anyone out there, it's brilliant. It, that, that first one, the, the first one which deals with the original series and and with with uh, next gen, was really. Good. It's really good, yeah. but none of the writers are really struggling with Roddenberry's control. And and I, you know, as a writer, I find that you know, and, and a writer who's worked in film, that's super interesting because it's you know they, those things are interesting to me. But anyway, yes, yeah. overselling it, but um, good episode. Yeah. Uh, how many triples are we giving this one? <laughs> How many what? Tribbles. Tribbles. Out of five. Although we're doing sweaters. Out of five triples. Are we doing sweaters? <laughs> I don't know. How many, how many Wesley sweaters? Let's do sweaters. Are we doing points? How many a, out of five sweaters? Is it full numbers? Whole integers or floats? Oh, okay. Can we... Well, you can't have half a sweater, can you? I don't know. Five is a pretty restrictive number if you're doing holes. But I'm fine with that. All right, let's do ten sweaters. Go. Tens? No, fuck ten sweaters. Five. I'm good with five. Four. Okay, it's four so out of five. Mm, Are you going to go five okay, out of five? I'll give it four. I'll, no, 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 no. no. Okay, way. you were thinking five three. Out of five. I was thinking I'm three. I'm sorry. You were the one who was like, masterpiece. Like <laughs> Yeah, but you're giving it five. Like, you're saying five. If it was ten, I would have given it seven. Okay. But I'll I'll give it four. Well, this is what I said. Yeah, five is restrictive if you're not doing points. Yes. No, we've got to give Wesley sweaters. And you can't have half a sweater. Okay. You can't do anything with half a sweater. I'll give it four. Four sweaters. Done. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Have, All right, we'll wrap up. We will wrap up. We haven't. I haven't had so much fun. It's been a while since we've had this much fun an episode. But anyway, it's me. let's yeah. wrap up. All right. Now, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WaitWhereSpock or email us at WaitWhereSpock at gmail.com. We love getting your messages, feedback, suggestions, hearing how you felt about the episode. I'm sure there's people who've listened to this who watched the episode and went, I fucking hated that. What a ah! terrible episode. And then listened to this and they were like, these people are on crack. Like, <laughs> so I'd really like to hear from those people because <laughs> they, they're out there. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that is um, absolutely true. Yes, absolutely. Please, please, please. We would love to hear about that if you are listening along. Yeah, emails, jump on the, uh, jump on the, uh, 
the Instagram, whatever. We'll have to. We'll, we'll definitely be doing some Roxana love on the um, on the Instagram. That's for sure. However, we want you to come back next week as well for episode eleven of season one, the big goodbye. Captain Picard and some of his crew are caught in a deadly trap on the holodeck as a result of a shipwide scan from an alien race. This is a good one. Yeah, so unfortunately I looked at the Netflix blurb, which has a little image on it, which doesn't really match the blurb. So I'll only react to the blurb. Holodecks can be fun, but goofy. And I'm not a huge fan of goofy, personally. Right, well... Too goofy can be too goofy. The thing... So probably maybe the thing that you're not getting... I would have got this from the title because this is a very, very... This is is a, a take on the title of a very famous crime novel and a very famous crime noir film the long goodbye okay and as soon as i see the big goodbye that's immediately what i think of and the image kind of shows that i think this is going to be our first you know this is very this is going to be i think very reminiscent of the original series episode not maybe not the storyline but there is in fact an original series episode set in the planet of gangsters do you remember what the episode was called yes um i was fuck something a big um, yeah yeah it's it's like a it's like a um it's like a version of that yeah let's google it gangster episode piece of the action yes piece of the action piece of the action where they because unfortunately the game i work on a quest in it is called hold your peace and so i thought i was getting confused with that but actually i wasn't oh okay right no yes anyway so that'll be the episode next week could be fun spoilers ahead i'm looking ahead here at the episodes to come it's really ramping up I can. Okay, yep. it's I expect that. It's only been ten episodes. Yeah. How yeah. many seasons are there? Seven. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm starting to get jazzed. Got starting to get jazzed about this. <laughs> you know, um, just because it, it's, yeah, it's been a struggle oh, for me. I just realized how many dumb lines Data's gonna have in the next episode. Oh. oh yeah, he's he's because Data's gonna be the Star Trek, like like the the sorry the Spock yeah. of this episode. Because I don't understand what's going was, on, Captain. Yes, but I'm I'm attempting to do gangster language in a logical way. Yeah, it's gonna be a bit of that, I think. Blech. No Wesley again, probably. Oh, maybe Wesley has to fix the issue on the ship. I guess. Do you think he's gonna wear a little Western sweater? <laughs> you could, uh, yeah. Crochet a little gun holder. <laughs> That's right. I could do something. Anyway, it should be a good one. All right then. Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Matt. And I'm Maya. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>